The following podcast may contain adult language and conversations revolving around situations not suitable for immature audiences. Spoilers and general political incorrectness can often be expected, so listener discretion is advised. They must be destroyed on sight! I don't even see him on Facebook, so... Yeah, he's probably fixing robots or some shit. He probably got busy, so... Yeah, he probably actually had to do work at his job, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> which is rare for him, but, you know. Um, all right, welcome to the Must Be Destroyed On Site movie podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Daniel Harper. How are you doing, sir? Doing quite well. Thank you. Uh, yeah, great. Uh, Paul may join in at some point. Uh, he's probably off fighting robots at his place of work. Uh, he was supposed to be here, but um, we're here for the uh, fourth. Maybe movie. maybe he has to cut his own arm off with a chainsaw. He he might have to. He might very well have to. I mean, he he's a pretty rough dude, so he might. Yeah. Uh, I believe uh, he could do that. Yeah, uh, we're here for the fourth and final part of Nazi Zombie Month. Uh, we took a week off, and uh, we're back with a pair of films that we're going to review here in a little while. It's going to be Dead Snow and Dead Snow 2, and we'll give our opinions on those. Uh, we, Depending on whether Paul shows up again or not, we might delve a little into afterwards some of the other Nazi zombie movies that we didn't cover. But until then, I guess we could jump right into our sort of uh, actor-actress little mini-discussion that we usually do at the beginning of these things. I think at some point we'll get our shit together and sort of plan these uh, out so that they somehow pair the movies we're going to review, but which is probably something I should have thought of well before now, but, you know, whatever. Uh, but um, Well, we could always do Martin Starr, if you like. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Um, okay. I'm not, pre- I'm not prepared. <laughs> sure, no problem. We were going to talk a little bit about Lance Henriksen, very well-known character actor, 75 years old at this point. Uh, actually, mm-hmm. like, next month, I think, 75, he's turning. Yeah, I, I Googled him just a few minutes ago, and I went, wow, A, he looks great, and B, mm-hmm. he's 74, and then C, he looks great to be 74. That was kind of the sequence of thoughts I had. Yeah. <laughs> Looking at his photo on Wikipedia there, so. Yeah. Um, and he's been in he's been in a lot of stuff. Like, uh, people know him mostly for his genre stuff, but, uh, I mean, he... He started out early in stuff like uh, Dog Day Afternoon and Network in the 1970s. I don't even remember him from Dog Day Afternoon, uh, although I Who's he in Dog before. Day Afternoon? Yeah, he was, uh, I can't remember the role he played, but he he had some sort of bit part in that. I've actually got his filmography, Murphy, whoever Murphy is. So. Yeah, I can't I can't remember. It's, it's been he's a long time. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, he's he's one of these actors who was sort of in the uh, the circle of James Cameron in the 80s, and when you look at all the stuff that James Cameron sort of touched in the 80s, he's a big major name in that decade. I mean, he had this whole sort of circle of actors and producers and stuff like that that all, were all sort of connected to him and that he reused all the time, and I don't, I don't know if I've uh, ever noticed too many people actually talk about that, where he... There's like all these people connected to him. Like he was almost like um, sort of like a, a Roger Corman of that decade in a in a way, where all these big names are 
connected to him. Um, well, you think about filmmakers, and now we're talking about James Cameron a bit, but, you know, my apologies, but, you know, mm. you look at some filmmakers really seem to like kind of having that acting troupe that, that and not only that, but, like, they work with the same editor or the same yeah. kind of two or three editors over and over again. Um, but particularly in actors, like having this big group of people that they just kind of always look to, and um, or at least, you know, like kind of in stuff they produce and that sort of thing, and that seems to be what's going on there. Um, but you look at, I mean, particularly the, the indie boom in the 90s, which is kind of where I'm, you know, Robert Rodriguez worked with some of the same people over and over and over again, you know, kind of mm-hmm. discovered Salma Hayek, and then she came back and was in all of his movies for a while, you know. Yeah. Um, or, uh, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson, and Quentin Tarantino is kind of famous for it. Um, so, I don't know, uh, interesting phenomenon. Uh, James Cameron, I, I don't think I've heard anybody kind of talk about that. When people talk about the 80s kind of director who worked, who had his kind of group of people, they kind of think more of uh, uh, John Carpenter. You know, I mm-hmm. think yeah. Of, you know, that sort of thing. Because uh, uh, Cameron... Uh, for, it's, very, it's funny for me, like, Lance Henderson is just, like, that guy whose face I know, and I don't mm-hmm. think he with that particular role. So that's Yeah, he's got a this. very, very distinctive face. Um, I mean, he was in Cameron's uh, first big picture, which was Piranha 2, The Spawning, from 1981. And then, of course, he went on to be in The Terminator. Uh, he was actually slotted to be The Terminator at one point. Uh, Cameron wanted him to play the title role of that film, but he, he ended up becoming one of the cops in, in the film there. He... That would have been a really interesting choice, I think. You know, um, a little bit. Even it might have also been interesting to play him, to have him play uh, Kyle Reese's role. Yeah, uh, it, it almost makes you think um, Cameron like later corrected that when he uh, when he had Rod, Robert Patrick in Terminator Two, where much leaner, deadlier. Right. Kinda, yeah. Sharp and, I mean, features. you know, the, the decision to go with Schwarzenegger there was, uh, I mean, you know, he, he's just so physically imposing and kind of built his career at mm-hmm. that point, you know. Yeah, no, that, that would that would definitely, you know, you, you like rewrite half of genre film history since 1984 if you recast that role, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, really interesting thing. But, uh, of course, I think his most well-known role for for Henriksen is still Bishop from uh, the Aliens franchise. That That is probably his signature role. But uh, another Cameron connection, he was uh, the patriarch of the sort of traveling vampire family in Near Dark, which is, I think, personally my favorite of his roles. Um, and that's interesting because that was directed by Catherine Bigelow, who is was at one time married to James Cameron. <laughs> yeah, no, that, I mean, you know, it's all that working in the same group, the Cohen brothers, you know, kind of working with the same people around that same time as well. Yeah. For me, when I think of Lance Hendrickson, I actually think of Millennium, the, uh, the mm-hmm. huge show from the early 2000s, which, uh, or from the early 90s, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Or mid nineties. Well, uh, uh, yeah, it was mid to late. It was nineteen ninety six to ninety nine or two thousand. That series went. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's funny is I didn't watch a lot of that show, but that's still like the I you know I saw a little bit of it, liked what I saw, but for me that's the that's the image I get with him. It's always like you say his name and I think of that TV show. Yeah. Um, actually, I, I started watching that show. Because, him, I think you know. Yeah, I I, I started watching that show because after a while X Files just got so up its own ass that Millennium was actually the new cool fresh show to watch where you know everything wasn't incredibly complex and just all kinds of conspiracy bullshit and all this other stuff going around and around and it seemed like the plot was getting nowhere. Millennium was uh, a lot of the episodes were going back to that more standalone kind of style that the first couple seasons the X-Files had 
And, I mean, of course, Hendrickson was friggin' awesome in, in the role, and they actually, uh, he, he did a, like, sort of a cap on the series because it got canceled, but he was, he appeared in the X-Files for one episode where they sort of had his little moment of redemption or whatever to end his storyline. Yeah, that's awesome. I, that might be a show I go and try to revisit at some point. Um... You might want to revisit it very quickly because I hear it's getting taken off Netflix because of the new uh, X Files coming out soon. Oh well, that's interesting. <laughs> that in mind. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at the list of roles that you know uh, from Wikipedia. He was in the Right Stuff. Mm-hmm. He played Wally Shira, which it's funny. Like I've seen so many of these movies, I just I don't remember him. Yeah, but I'm sure he was excellent. You know, he was just a guy. Like Jennifer Eight. What little I remember of Jennifer 8 does not include Lance Henriksen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, he's I mean, in Stone Cold. <laughs> I mean, he's done he's done these uh, bit parts where he just basically shows up for one one or two seconds and then goes off. Um, I think it's Jennifer's Body, the one with Megan Fox. It was a horror movie from a couple of years right. ago. Yep. Mm-hmm. He, he is literally in one scene in that. He's just a guy in a car. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, uh, another really big genre one for him that's kind of a classic from the '80s is Pumpkinhead, uh, and then he was in a lot of the really shitty made-for-TV sequels that came out in recent years. But uh, Pumpkinhead was um, an excellent monster movie, and he was pretty good in that. One of my favorite of his roles, though, was, uh, was uh, Sam Raimi's uh, *The Quick and the Dead*, where he plays this really flamboyant gunfighter who is actually, you know, just talking a lot of shit. He's actually you know, not all that good, but he put on a <laughs> put on a great show. And uh, it's like Red Dead uh, Redemption, Red Dead Revolver, those games. They actually basically took his character and stole it for those games. That's awesome. No, I, I you know, you mentioned his name, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I know a ton of stuff he's been in. And then I started thinking about it. It's like, well, there's Aliens, and then there's Millennium, and then, like, what else... Like immediately comes to mind, and it's not like a particular. It's like a body of work that's different mm-hmm. anymore, so than a particular role. And I think that's interesting. I I like going for these kind of character actors that you remember, but maybe don't remember like specifically. Mm. Well, he's um, he's not he's he's not the sort of guy where you see him as the leading guy in in the film. Like he, he's he, I mean he seems very content in being sort of the bit part player or the. The guy who walks in, like he's almost, in in a way, he's almost sort of like the John Carradine, Peter Cushing of of his generation, where you know later in his career, he's just the guy who shows up for you know four or five scenes, adds some credibility and and I guess street cred or whatever to your film. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. No. I mean, he's got that. He's got such a face. He's just mm-hmm. that, that, that face is just like you see him, and you just you can't keep your eyes off. He's just—he's amazing in the in in his, uh, you know, just his presence. Yeah, um, great actor. Yeah. Mentioning him, talk about him, makes me want to go and watch, rewatch, or watch for the first time some of these old movies just to see what. Yeah, what just to find them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, Let's go, yeah. Lance Henriksen hunting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I have seen a lot of his stuff in 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 the last few years where he's um. You know, just doing bit parts and B movies and stuff like that. And you know, he's not a guy who slums it. I'll, I'll say that for him. He's been in a lot of really shitty movies in the last twenty years, but he's 
he's not the shitty part of the movie. Let's put it that way. He's right. he, he's a guy who doesn't slum it. So uh, I really appreciate that about him. Agreed. Unlike yeah. some other actors we can name. <laughs> but yeah, uh, unless you have any uh, other other thoughts on uh, on Lance, uh, not really. I'm ready to move on to, to uh, talking about Nazi zombies in uh, freezing Norwegia, if mm. you'd like. Well, uh, unless there's anything you want to mention that you've watched or purchased, all right? Uh, I I will say briefly, I did see um, uh, Keanu Reeves in uh, John Wick, which uh, everyone's been raving about the last couple months. Saying, "Oh, Keanu Reeves back in uh, fine form. He's back to his, you know, he he's back to where he should be." And uh, and uh, I don't know, I don't know about you, but I've never really rated Keanu Reeves as much of an actor. I think he's competent. And I think, you know, if the material's really good, then he's good in it. But otherwise, he's generally just kind of, I don't know, C-level as, as an actor, I, I feel. He's, he's certainly not a great actor, but I think he does have his moments, and I think he like he knows that role that he does well. And he's, yeah. you know, um, willing to, to do that. And he tends to pick interesting projects. I think that that's the... The thing that I would say about him, I mean, you know, even as early as, you know, when he became a star in the early 90s and late 80s, you know, you, you started to see him doing things like Johnny Mnemonic and, you know, yeah. which is not a great movie, but the decision to do a cyberpunk thriller in 1993 yeah. or whatever, um, really interesting choice, you know. Um, and But but didn't you also see him and Winona Ryder almost ruin Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula? <laughs> well, you know, that that's a... Uh, Sure, sure. You know, yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of, I don't know, I think, uh, you know, Keanu Reeves could be another person that we could talk about, because I've kind of followed him for a long time, because I kind of fell in love with the Bill and Ted movies when I was, like, you know, And apparently old. there's going to be a Bill and Ted 3. I will believe that when it starts filming. When there's camera, when there when there is film and a camera, I will believe it. Um, <laughs> I mean, I would believe that, that people want that to happen, um, and I believe that like there's a market out there for it, but it's it's going to be terrible. Let's let's just let's just yeah. uh, put that out there. You know, there's no way that that's going to be any good. Um, no, I don't. Like I don't Bill see and Ted: it. The Next Generation. I, I think I think they already did it. It was Dude, Where's My Car? When that was. <laughs> I mean, there's a. We're not talking about uh, the Bill and Ted next week. Maybe we do Keanu Reeves and talk in detail. But so yeah. what do you think about John Wick? Let's just let, let me was, try to de- de- derail this conversation. It was it was decent. I mean, it's it's a hitman film, a revenge film. Anyone could do it. When I did my review of it on Letterbox, I explicitly stated that um, Jason Statham does this role in his sleep, basically, um, and he does it better. But it's not a bad movie. It's just it's kind of silly. There, there's parts of it that remind me of uh, that film from a couple years ago, Wanted, with uh, Angelina Jolie and stuff with the. The bullet, curving bullets, curving bullets and shit like that. Like it doesn't quite get that stupid. It 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 does have like this secret hotel that caters to assassins when they're in town, and this uh, all this other weird shit that just feels really out of place in what should be a gritty, low key, minimalist revenge film. Um, but it was it was enjoyable. It was it was all right. The the really good film I watched was uh, Inherent Vice. I just caught that and mm-hmm. I, I fucking love that film. Uh, I'm gonna be watching that over and over. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 the kind of film where you go. I don't know anything about what's actually happening in this story, mm-hmm. but it's amazing. Um, I read the book as well. I, I think we discussed this a few weeks yeah. ago. I want to really revisit the book and then revisit the movie later. Um, yeah, I you talked about it a bit on Facebook, and I think you kind of echoed all my thoughts. But um, I mean. 
feel free to say whatever you were going to say, because um, yeah, I love um, that movie, and I would I will echo everything you just you're about to say. So part of the reason I have to revisit it is because when I was watching it, I was sort of watching it half in a daze in bed, and I couldn't understand half the fucking things uh, Joaquin Phoenix was saying because he was he was mumbling so much. <laughs> I want to I want to wait for the DVD, own the DVD, and put on the subtitles. That that's... yeah yeah, but man, I, I really loved it. I mean, it it felt like all the best things from like Elmore Leonard and uh like. Sort of like the a, a more serious Big Lebowski almost in a way. Like it still had some of the jokes going on, but there was you know it was more a, a serious detective film. And I, I just loved it. Great characters, great dialogue, great story. Relish going to see it again and and actually you know picking out more plot points that I just totally went over my head the first time right. I watched it. So no, and and reading the book is a much the same. Uh... Phenomenon, like it, it very is. Like the, the the point is not the plot. The point is the atmosphere and the mood and the ideas. And I think it's got some um, really, you know, I, I said this before, but you know, Pinchon is very uh, talking about the establishment and about the co-option of the kind of counterculture by the establishment is mm-hmm. kind of what his entire career has been about. Inherent Vice is probably his most autobiographical work. You know, maybe we should actually both watch that again and actually do a full review of that at some point. Because, oh, I definitely uh, intend to, yeah. Um, um, and I'll go through the book, and I'll actually, like, when I have free time, I'll go through, and I will, like, with a highlighter. Um, <laughs> you know, like, we'll, we'll do this for real. But, uh, yeah, no, a great film. Definitely seek it out. If it's still playing in theaters, uh, which it may not be at this point, but if it is playing in theaters still... It's definitely worth seeing in a theater as well. So, and uh, I'll say this: uh, the the lead actress, I uh, can't think of her name right at the moment. Um, very, very brave and provocative performance. I'll say that. <laughs> yes, you know, very. Also, again, very true to the book, um, and very true to you know, because obviously you're talking about the the kind of sexual content of the mm-hmm. uh, of the movie and of the story, but the sexual content it doesn't feel like it's tacked on just to titillate. I mean, it is. No, everything there, feels it natural. Is, it is naturalistic, and it is it treats her as a person while at the yep. same time. And I think that that's that's an important thing, you know, in that it is not just there. Oh, and now there are boobies on the screen. I think yeah. uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, as a filmmaker, has been really good about that in his career. That he can make a movie about the porn industry, <laughs> Boogie Nights, <laughs> you know, show you boobs, but not like titillate you with it necessarily. It, it mm. is, you know, it is. Anyway, again, we're off topic here. We're supposed to be talking about. Uh, blood and guts and not uh, nipples. Yeah, so uh, so we, we will move on then. Um, and we're going to move on to the first of the two movies we're going to be uh, talking about tonight. It's going to be Dead Snow from 2009, directed by Tommy. And uh, I'll just say the disclaimer right, right, off, the, right off the bat, I'm going to be getting all these names pronounced wrong. So anyone from Norway who hears this, uh, I apologize right off the bat. But, we should uh, be getting Peter on this show just to help us with the names. Yeah. So uh, directed by Tommy uh, Workola, written by Tommy Workola and Stig Freud Henriksen, uh, who actually also uh, acts in this one and the sequel as well. Uh, the main characters are uh, Vigor Hohl as Martin, Stig Freud Henriksen as Roy, Charlotte Frogner as Hannah, and uh, I won't go through a lot of the other people here, because actually most of them are pretty much fucking disposable as, as hell, uh, but the uh, main antagonist is uh, Orjan Gamst as Oberst Herzog, and I'm getting a Facebook message here to see, it must be Paul, okay, he says he's available, work just got in the way, okay, I'll re 
invite you, sir. Hello, this is Steve Irwin, the Crocodile Hunter. And when I'm not dancing around in the water with stingrays, I listen to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight, a movie podcast. Crikey! Hey, Paul, how did the fight go with the robots? Um, I'm a little bloody, buddy, but I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay, buddy. All right. Any thoughts on Lance Hendrickson before we get into the review, Paul? <laughs> well, um, Hendrickson's pretty cool. He's in a lot of the schlocky films that I enjoy. But um, I guess as far as horror goes, I mean, can't peep Pumpkinhead. Pumpkinhead yeah, we, yeah, we mentioned um, Pumpkinhead. Probably the, my favorite film that he's in is No Escape, where he plays the father. All right. I've never seen that one. You never saw No Escape? Is, is that Ray Liotta? Yeah, Ray Liotta, Lance Henderson, and uh, the guy from um, I can't I can never remember his name, but he's a great villain. He plays in he plays the the doctor in uh, in Hot Fuzz. What's funny is I've seen the trailer for No Escape like a billion times for no apparent reason, but I've never yeah. seen the film. So oh, it's a great it's it's a great film. Yeah, it's it's on it's up in my top. Right on. Yeah, overall in all films generally, it's a it's a good one. Cool. I mean, I have no taste in film, so you can't only you know you can only go so far. <laughs> but, I mean, for me, that's that's a, that's a good one. Unless you have anything you want to mention that you have watched or uh, uh, bought in the last little while, there, Paul. We were just getting right into Dead Snow. You joined in just in the perfect time. So well, good because I haven't watched or bought anything. Okay, well that seals that that deal. Um, that's including Dead Snow too. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> All right. Um, so we're we're uh, we are. Already... Don't worry. I have lots to say about Dead Snow too. We're okay. we're gonna like we'll Good. be fine. Good. Okay. So we uh, we got we got through the cast here. So this is of course a Norwegian film. Basically, the plot is a group of six friends going to a cabin up in the Norwegian mountains uh, to have a little bit of time off. They're all medical students, and they're just going out to have some fun, hook up, drink, do the basic, you know, thing. But when they get there, they find that their friend who was supposed to be waiting for them there is not there. Some weird shit's going on. They get visited by this creepy old man uh, who warns them about the history of the mountains. Before they know it, they are besieged by Nazi zombies for some unknown reason, and they have basically have to fight their way off the fucking mountain uh, without getting slaughtered. We'll go to Daniel first. What is your uh, overall, uh, well, your initial opinions on, on this film? Sure. Um, you know, very much... You know, very standard horror tropey kind of. You know, it's it's sort of the dead teenager movie, only it's not. You know, what Roger Ebert famously called the dead teenager movie, but not teenagers. Uh, they are medical students, and the fact that they're medical students helps to sell some of the uh, stuff towards the end of the film. I think you know, it's a uh, very I think effectively done. This was just a lot of fun. Like it, it's like you know, there's not really like you know, I'm the guy who will read you know who will read metaphor into things. Like so, if you want to have that conversation, we can. But I'm perfectly fine just basically going like, there's stuff you can read into this, and there's there's some ideas that they're playing with a little bit here, but it's basically like we're going to do a fun take on the isolated people in the woods getting killed one by one kind of thing. It moves pretty quickly. Um, it's basically cut into two parts, the first half being the kind of setup yeah. uh, and the, and the uh, kind of dread and uh, building the mood and uh, lots of just kind of fun drunk people playing in the snow stuff, which I actually quite enjoyed. I thought it was pretty entertaining. And then the second half being uh, much more kind of traditional splatter gore horror stuff and uh, pretty effectively done. I was, uh, I, I, I really enjoyed the film. I was kind of not necessarily expecting to kind of be like, you know, we've been watching the Nazi zombie films and, and this this is genre aware enough and it moves fast enough and it, and it kind of uh, does some stuff right that I liked that 
uh, I think we'll get into as we kind of talk about the film more. But I, I liked it a lot, and I'll yeah. just kind of leave it at that. Right on. Uh, Paul, initial thoughts on Dead Snow. Okay. Uh, being the cynical, bitter asshole I am, I actually didn't like the film overall. Okay. I, I was watching it, and uh, I'm a bitter old man. Just let's go get that out right now. And I was watching it, and then it became a, okay, Evil Dead parody spoof. And I'm like, okay, are you trying to be funny or are you trying to be serious? Because I want I want one or the other. That's it. Well, and, and I think if that's I, your I perspective, I, I get that response because it is trying to be funny. I was like, look, Dale, you're try, Dale and Tucker versus Evil did that great, and that's what you're trying to do here. And I was like, okay, I get that. But I'm just tired of seeing it in films anymore. But... Uh, I, I, I like uh, visually it's a great great film thing and uh, there are some good spots in it overall I mean I think if anyone likes just the schlocky horror film you have to expect that it's a schlocky horror film and not trying to be almost serious if you know what I mean mm-hmm. I'm not obviously Zazi zombies isn't serious you can't you know you have to take that with a grain of salt when I say that and I thought it was going to be a little bit more serious than it was when it when it turned out to be one thing that I did really get a chance to sit down and and watch bits and pieces and parts of of part 2 mm-hmm. and that's where I commend them in part 2 for showing that side of what I didn't expect from part 1 which was the schlock excessively overdone and right if you know what I mean I hate mm-hmm. to well yeah it. Anybody that that likes a good horror film, but likes but you know knows that it's all taken the piss out of the whole time, and would would think it's fun. Yeah, well, let's talk about that for a sec. Um, there is definitely a balancing act going on here in this one. Like they're trying to skirt the line between horror and comedy. For the most part, the characters play it dead straight, but there's just elements that be keep getting introduced that are clearly over-the-top uh, comedic elements. Um, I loved it when she beat the raven to death. <laughs> and things like that. Um, yeah. Um, I, I think the thing is, I don't know if it's even it's if it's even an imbalance problem for me. I do sort of like this movie, but I'm not a big fan of this, this one. Because when I watch it, basically what I'm seeing is what... I see in a lot of modern horror movies these days where they make references, direct, blatant references to all the movies they love and they've seen. Yeah, um, I, mean, I understand the homage aspect of, of yeah. these horror films, but I've seen them so many times now that it's, it's lost its magic for me, if you know what I mean. And, like and the, the, thing... the cut, chop, cut, chop sound effect, uh, chainsaw bit in the, near the end with the, uh, you know, obviously it's Sam Raimi, obviously taking to the Evil Dead thing. Mm-hmm. I get it. The only thing he didn't say, I don't think, was groovy. Yeah, the, the yeah the the thing is, they they beat you over the head with it a bit. I feel like if he had just cut his arm off and they had never mentioned Evil Dead to begin with, I might have forgiven him a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But right at the beginning of the film, one of the characters is a horror film nerd. Right off the bat, he's making references to Evil Dead, uh, Friday the Thirteenth. He's quoting shit like uh, Temple of Doom and Terminator. Uh, one of the one of the girls mentions April Fool's Day, and and in and in a way, this film almost uh, is Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two sort of jammed together. And for me, it it, it kind of doesn't work quite as well. And it just feels like, hey, here's what we like, and we have no real originality going on in the film at all. I can also understand that they weren't trying to be original. At the yeah, same they they felt it felt like let's try to make it visually appealing with a lot of good gory yet comic scenes, but we're not trying to be original. That's what I got out of it. Uh, Daniel? 
Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, um, I think uh, you know, I I cannot speak as a uh, authority on horror films and and you know the the incredibly knowledgeable horror nerd because I, I I don't pretend to be that. You know, as far as originality, I'll I'll kind of leave that to you guys and and speak to that. Uh, for me, you know, it's it's all about was I interested? Was I entertained? Did I kind of follow? The characters was I um, interested in just what was going on, on the screen at any given time. Um, I thought it was uh, very efficient in the way that it was put together. Um, there's not a lot of uh, fat in the movie, at least in that last 45 minutes. I think you could trim a bit towards the beginning. Um, I don't disagree that the the uh, film knowledgeable character who spouts off the cliches at the beginning uh, that's definitely uh, been done before, been done better before. Um, in even in 2009, that feels really tired. I mean, it, you, you, I'll be right we, back. <laughs> I, I I completely agree. I you know that that's not what I like about the film. I think that that element definitely detracts from it, um, because I think the audience for this film is already aware of it. And I definitely have issues with the way that uh, the relationship between uh, that character and the woman was portrayed. And we could talk about that if you want to, but I don't really have a great desire to. But um, okay. I do have issues about the way that was portrayed. Um, although I did like the idea of like banging in an outhouse let's, let's you know like yes the entire time I'm watching that scene I'm thinking and it smells like shit the entire and time and she put his finger in her mouth and he had just wiped yes. <laughs> actually that's the part of the movie in my point but um I was actually as a man who owns an outhouse I was like okay you can't just fall into an outhouse and come right back out not really designed sure. for that. No, no, not at and all. Then, um, uh, and I was the other thing. I'm like, how do you get pulled down to an outhouse and not have your spleen broken or something? Uh, like that? I'm like, you have to go through that small hole. She wasn't a big girl, but still, come on, guys. Although, and then she was covered with fecal matter. Yeah, although snow. I'll ask you this, Paul. Did you think that was a sly little reference to Sleepaway Camp too? Mm-hmm. Well, dirty girls got to wash her mouth out. <laughs> yeah, like that's that's the that's the first thing I thought because that's the second. I think that's the Actually, um, I also thought of April Fool's Day, though, because in April Fool's Day, that one person falls and finds the body. Oh, yeah, the... that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this movie basically laid out for us every reference it was going to make throughout the entire narrative of the film in that first little spiel. Look, by the... In the cabin, anywhere, was there a hockey mask on the, on the wall at all? <laughs> I didn't see one. I didn't see I, one. I will also admit... I didn't realize about the guy in the beginning doing all the movie references. I didn't know that because when I was on here, even though I owned it at home, I haven't had much time at home. I watched it on YouTube. I was got through almost like a third or an eighth, well, almost a third of the movie, and then I realized there was an American, an English version. So I clicked on the English version, and then from that point, I watched the rest. Well, that's interesting because maybe the English version was the translation for the dubbing might have been way different too. I, yeah, I watched. There was, no, there was no dubbing. It was more I was just sitting there watching a foreign film and and looking at you know the the way it was shot and the interaction. Just the I was looking at more like that, yeah. and then just watching it that way. And it seemed like a, a real horror film, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And then um, I got into the American version of Rust of the Western Way, and I'm like, is this a joke version? I wasn't sure. <laughs> <laughs> with all the noises and sound effects, and then I checked it, and no, no, they're in there. Yeah, um, but uh, I, I will say this, yeah, uh, you're right, Daniel, this, move, this movie, um, it, it, it goes along at a very good pace. There there really is no fat to the film, as far yeah, as I, I can... Mean, yeah, like you said, in the beginning a little bit, but it's pretty much a clean-cut film. Yeah, um, it moves very well. Uh, the effects are top-notch. I mean, mm-hmm. it, this isn't... 
I mean, Especially I for a film made for eight hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, it, it looks great. It it, lo- it looks good. I loved the the gore effects. I loved the especially the bit where he's sewing his own neck together. I thought that was the uh, the piece de resistance, right there. <laughs> yeah, they duct taped it. Mm. Yes, and, and there there are some some, pr- some surprises too. Like it it kind of plays around with who's going to be like the final sort of heroes in the film. I mean, it, it keeps you guessing a bit because you have that one guy going off looking for his girlfriend and. He ends up fighting a bunch of the Nazi zombies out there, and he comes back with the machine gun mounted on his ski doo. Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, snow doo. Um, and it, it was, you know, uh, there was definitely like, some good parts well, to it. There were definitely some good parts. I mean, it was fun when they were dangling on the entrails. Um, oh, yeah, and uh, I think we'll speak of the entrails later by part two, because that's definitely something I want to mention. But... Um, uh, what what did you think of the uh, the Nazi zombies themselves in this one? Because they're not they're not necessarily uh, straight up zombies. Uh, they're no, more... they remind me very much of the uh, Outpost movies, which were out before this, I do believe. Because mm. these are, um, I guess, essentially what they're they're taking this from is skin, uh, Scandinavian uh, folklore. Uh, where they're uh, drag or dragger, which is essentially a, a Scandinavian version of uh, sort of a revenant, which is a, mm-hmm. a European version of uh, basically an undead creature where the the spirit of the departed inhabits its physical body and comes yeah, the, back to... Yeah, the, Germans, the Teutonic Germans have the dragar, and that's yeah. what that... Yeah, it's a ghostly spirit that inhabits things, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I kind of like them. Um, I, I didn't mind that they were, you know, fast zombies or whatever. I, I actually kind of enjoyed them in this one. Like, it kind of made sense because they're supernatural, so you're not yeah. you're not thinking about, oh, well, they should be decayed and they shouldn't be able to move and shit. Like, I, they're supernatural. They can do basically anything they want. Honestly, you know? at this point in time in the game, I'm not surprised when I see a fast zombie anymore. Yeah, I, just don't, yeah. I just don't react like I used to because it's like, oh, that's everybody... If you move a zombie slow, people get boring and say it's a boring movie. So you yeah. have to have them doing cot reels and, and Jackie Chan moves the whole time, so that's fine. <laughs> I started I started thinking of them more as uh, like super soldiers, more more as kind of like uh, I, I kept thinking of the Hellboy franchise. Honestly, you know that the um, the Nazis were way into lots of occult practices. They had lots of weird beliefs about like a hollow earth and all that sort of thing. Going along with their um, weird beliefs about Jewish people and homosexuals, etc. You know, Jewish but, uh, and Jewish homosexuals for that matter. And uh, <laughs> you know, people, all of us would be dead in Nazi Germany. Let's yeah. just put it that way. But uh, I, I do, I did kind of like the fact that they don't really spend any time explaining it. It, it really is just like there's this magic curse. They all froze to death, but you know, apparently. And we learn a little bit more in part two, but um, apparently they're all leprechauns because they're all about getting back their gold. Yeah. Yes, and, and you know the you idea, lucky charms, baby. The idea that they're just like these um, people, the, these ghosts that are just after their gold. You know, it, it makes uh, it makes it it makes it not even really a zombie movie. Like I don't even think of it that way. I, I just think of them as as this kind of malevolent force, generic. Yeah. yeah. And so I don't like put I don't file that in my head. Oh, they're fast zombies. It's just like no, they're just they're these dead guys walking around that want their gold. You know? I mean, and, and if I've been a long time since I've actually watched Oasis of the Zombies, but basically it was the gold that was out there that the would make the zombies come back, right? Yeah, the Nazi gold, baby. <laughs> that, that's... that movie was so bad though that they didn't even bother trying to explain anything in it. Though it was that's just what I got. that's what they're... I got. But anyway, yeah. they're zombies in their back, and that was about oh, it. Oh, Oasis of the Zombies is like 27 times better than this movie. 
Uh, yeah, no, no, not no, at all. No, 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 no. Um, I'll, I'll say this right off the bat. This is a more competently made, better acted <laughs> movie than Oasis and Zombie Lake. Yeah, I'll, I'll say, honestly, I enjoy it more than those two movies. I don't enjoy it a lot. I mean, um, this isn't my favorite Nazi zombie movie. I'll still go back to Shockwaves as far as that shit goes. Uh, it's a good, it's a good film. I think people. I mean, it's probably been seen by pretty much anybody who wanted to see it by this point in time. But well, uh, um, it's definitely something that uh, it, it would span a few genres of people who like films. Because I mean, even if you like, kind of like horror movies, but you like a little bit of comedy and goofing around and bullcrap and drinking and having fun, you'd, you I think you could get into this movie if you, someone. Had, you know, showed it to you. I mean, it's 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 a good film, and it's one. I think it get, like like I said, it, it it spans a couple of genres. It's got a little bit of, of a breadth to it. It's not complicated. It's easy to follow, but it's also very aesthetically pleasing. It's shot well. The people do a good job, and all the effects are proper. I did do a face palm. I had to do a face palm. I'll admit it. When they did the unan the the uh, the, uh, the stabbing and then drawn and quartered at the same time. And kind of like uh and like you know dead snow on ice on stage in Broadway kind of a thing and I'm like oh my god what the f-? <laughs> so <laughs> I was actually I was actually disappointed in that scene because I thought well since this movie is just basically ripping off every other movie that the director's seen I, I thought they were gonna do like a uh, uh, Captain Rhodes from uh, Day of the Dead and have him like pulled in half instead of John <laughs> Carter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh yeah, it's I'm not big on this film, but I would recommend it. It's it is fun. Um there wasn't much else in 2009 horror-wise that was all that notable that I can remember. Uh I don't remember when the Cold Prey films came out, but they were sort of the in the same sort of little mini uh Norwegian horror revolution kind of thing that was going on at the time. Um, did you, did you, like, Troll Hunter and stuff came out then too. Or I think yeah, maybe Troll Hunter did. I can't remember, I but think Troll uh, Hunter's a little later than that. Oh, uh, but did uh, any of you guys see Cold Prey? No. Um, Made after uh, 1978. I can't see it. Uh, good, good slasher movies, but <laughs> but uh, and actually Cold Prey, Cold Prey, and Cold Prey Two, um, they kind of follow the Halloween mold of slasher movies in a way, like the second one's set in a hospital, and the killer's coming after the heroine from the first one, and uh, it was quite enjoyable, though, uh, even if it was a total rip-off, but uh, yeah, uh, so unless we have any, like, uh, final thoughts, like, if there's anything you want to get into with this, Daniel, um, I mean, any, we're open to anything. I, I, I did anything. like the fact that how it plays into the first one. Or the second one, they do have that little uh, little surprise that was really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the uh, the ending to this was pretty much you know you knew it was going to happen. I always call the Herzog. I always call him Werner. <laughs> yeah. <You know>? And uh, <laughs> but yeah, he's, yeah uh, that, that name is definitely intentional. Let's just put it. Yeah. Out. Yeah. Say it. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't know. Every time I see the word Martin in a in a horror movie, I just think Martin the Vampire. So I yeah, mean, yeah. It, it, that too. there's there's enough in here. If you've watched enough horror movies, I have to say this though. I think we're also fooling ourselves because half the time I think you watch enough horror movies, you can find some reference somewhere, even yeah, if even, it's not meant. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, any any final thoughts on this, Daniel? Yeah. The one thing I would uh, just say uh, two things very quickly is I. I think I appreciated the fact that the characters basically acted like uh, people. Uh, mm-hmm. that the decisions they made, I kind of like the uh, you know even though it's it's broad and, and over you know overly 
its own thing. Um, I did like the way that, for the most part, you know, when it's like, okay, we've got to survive, two of us go, two of us stay, you know, they're very practical. Um, I, I did like there wasn't a lot of uh, running around. There's no uh, person that's uh, just sobbing in a corner sort of thing. Um, for the most part, it's it's pretty effective with that. I love the, the zombie comes up from the snow, and the guy just goes, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, that was pretty good. I, I uh, like the fact that it, the stereotypical idea is it's a platoon, and this was more of a battalion by the end of it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Right, right, yeah. And I, uh, the other thing is, you know, just just kind of going back to because we're about to talk about the sequel, and I think that this leads into the sequel a little bit more. Um, these these two films have very different tones, and I think the second film is very much more uh, overtly comedic, like it is meant mm-hmm. to be a comedy. Um, I think this is meant to be black comedy, much more uh, kind of dark, kind of quiet. It's not meant to be silly in the same way that the second one really, really gets silly. And, you know, I watched them actually back-to-back. I just sat one morning and just watched them back-to-back. And it's like night and day difference to me in terms of, you know, what this is going for. And I really liked that. I think Paul and I disagree. I think that we would describe the film accurately in the same way, but... I really like the first film for its restraint and for the fact that it doesn't go full-on Shaun of the Dead, whereas I think Paul would have preferred it to be more like the second film. I find it more silly when I find subtle silliness than when I find full-on silliness. I'm a very confusing man, and sometimes I I cry myself to sleep at night. It's because (laughs) you're a Pennsylvanian. I understand. (laughs) (laughs) If I lived in Pennsylvania, I would cry myself to sleep, too. Come on. Pins Forest, fuck you. Pins Forest, baby. <laughs> Alright, uh, we'll move on to Dead Snow 2 then. Dead Snow 2, Red vs. Dead from 2014. Uh, again, directed by Tommy Wercola, written by Vager Hull, Tommy Wercola, and Stig Freud Hendrickson. Again, Stig Freud uh, Hendrickson is in this one, playing a different role. Vager Hull, or Howl, returns as Martin. Uh, Orjan uh, Gamst returns as Herzog. Uh, we have Martin Starr as Daniel. J- uh, we also have the returning, uh, what was her name, uh, Charlotte uh, Frogner as Hannah. And this is, of course, uh, like Daniel was saying, much more of a comedic take on, on, the, on the first uh, film. We follow Martin basically at the end of the first film, uh, how he manages to escape, uh, although not in one piece. Uh, mm-hmm. from the zombies, and ends up in hospital where he finds that he has the Nazi leader's arm sewed on to his missing arm, and uh, that essentially drives the plot forward. Uh, he For a while, he doesn't have quite control of the arm, and he escapes from the hospital, and well, the Nazi zombies, they got their gold back, but uh, Herzog sees the uh, town, I can't remember the name of it, but um, he, he seems to recall back in his brain that, oh yeah, we were supposed to go back down and kill all those motherfuckers for uh, killing us, basically, to get revenge on that town. So uh, that's what they do. They 
They uh, go out, they start attacking the small little uh, towns before that town, recruiting the citizens uh, to bolster the army. Martin ends up enlisting the help of the zombie squad, <laughs> uh, who are these uh, three Americans who have never fought zombies before, but they've seen a lot of zombie movies, and uh, so they're eager to come in and help, and uh, they end up enlisting through some supernatural means and help of the new arm that Martin has, but basically a battalion or a platoon of uh, POWs uh, from Russia that were killed by Herzog and his men. And that's basically the plot. So I, I guess we'll go to Paul first, uh, since you didn't see all of this film, but uh, what were your uh, initial thoughts anyway from what you did see? <laughs> I thought it was something that basically you could crack open a whole case of beer and just watch and enjoy. I mean, honestly, it's just, it's, it's just like the first one as far as acting. I mean, they all do a good job from what I can see. And visually, it's it's done well. Splatter gore and uh, and pretty f- just fun things. I like I kind of liked how they had this mythical arm that you when you punch you can summon a whole battalion of dead people because you have the the one thing. I I like that. Um, I if you like Attack of the Herbals, if you ever watched that one, Attack of the Herbals and like the Corna O trilogy kind of films, I think this is more toward that genre of people mm-hmm. than just straight-up horror fans, but, I mean, this is a lot closer to the Dale and Tuckle versus Evil mentality of films, but so far, from what I've seen, it's I'm actually going to go out and buy it. I like what I've seen so far. I can't get too much into it. Uh, it seems like, was there an actual Norwegian version of this, or is there only an English version? Uh, there was two versions. Uh, both films, I think, both had a Norwegian and an English dubbed version, so... Okay. Yeah, uh, Daniel, your initial thoughts on this one? Yeah, I was I was not sure. I was also uh, because the I watched them both on Netflix because they're both for free streaming on Netflix right now. <laughs> if you pay, for, they're not for you have to pay for the Netflix subscription. My apologies, but I just watched them on Netflix. Um, and the version the version of the first one is Norwegian. The version of the second one is in English, and mm-hmm. I immediately thought so. Apparently, when they give you five times the amount of money, it means you have to film in English. Um, yeah, because you're going to the American audiences now, apparently, or the right. world audiences, or whatever. Um, as far as I know, I haven't seen a Norwegian version. Um, I could be wrong, but I believe this is just in English. Well, no, um, the, the thing is, once the English actors get introduced, and then they show up in Norway, uh, then it sort of turns to the English version, but before mm. then, it's uh, it's all... Uh, it's all uh, Danish or whatever. So, oh, uh, languages are Norwegian, English, and German. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, my apologies then. But well, uh, well, it, it was it was a Norwegian, German. No mixed Danish. languages. So yeah, but but it was it was a there was a, a U.S. Uh, American contingent behind the production of this one too. Sure. Um, you know, big picture for me, uh, this is, <laughs> and it's funny because I'm I. Again, I will describe the film pretty much the same way Paul does, but disagree. Whereas this is, it is a lot of fun. I mean, I would sit down and drink a bunch of beers and drink this and have no problem with that. I'd love to get some people together and watch it, but uh, this feels like the less substantial of the two films. This feels like it, it just, it feels like it's jokey. I think it's there's not really a big idea here. I think there there was a little bit more of an idea behind the first film. I feel like this is a lot more like we're going for. You know, how many terrible zombie parody films, zombie strippers, you know, uh, the zombie prom, you know, I, I don't even know all the titles, but how many terrible uh, films like this have come out? And this just feels like, 
you know, kind of the same thing. We're going to do the kind of broad comedy version of zombies, and uh, that's fine. You know, I don't, I don't have an issue with that. Um, I think it's it's a lot of fun. I really enjoyed myself watching it. But you know, if you ask me which one would I would I admire more, I admire the first one more. I, I think it's a, a better film overall. But I do really like the second film, uh, and I will say towards the end it definitely becomes. I'm sorry, Paul, if I'm spoiling it a bit for you. Um, a little bit uh, neighborhood Fallout Three sort <laughs> of. Uh, uh, Nazis and communists doing Lord of the Rings style action, mm. uh, but played for laughs. That's pretty much mm. what the the last thirty minutes of this film are, um, with some uh, Jason Statham style uh, action and uh, a little bit of a Jackie Chan, Charlie Chaplin vibe. Yeah, the end there. Um, very effective. I I really do. I like this film a lot, and I'm not gonna uh, complain too much about it. But it's mm. definitely it gets silly. At, at parts that I oh like, I I agree I mean I saw I mean apparently Martin has some kind of superpower now because of the arm and I just watched him and Herzog beat the shit out of each other through a house he goes up the room falls down the stairs grabs again punches him again I'm like this is this is the shit right here this is it this is serious cinema right now boom <laughs> <laughs> this it's, is it's really it's, be the world winning cinema going on right now it's really equal to or slightly better than the works of um, uh, Bassan. Like it, it, uh, it, it reaches that level, you know, um, that that level of minimalism and uh, just just pure cinema really mm-hmm. felt here in the last twenty minutes. So yeah, all I can say is heart and soul. That's all I can say. <laughs> Fortune and glory, kid. Fortune, Fortune and, and glory. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I like this one. Uh, this is my favorite of the two films. Uh, I like this one a lot better. I, I think that's why I like Lee. I, I think I think just for me personally. Um, they 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 picked a tone and they stuck with it with this one. Uh, that's what I appreciated from this one. Yeah, um, the other one is AC. This one's DC. This is straightforward. Yeah, There's no uh, alterations. Um, I love I love the jokes. I I was I just caught myself laughing all the time watching this one. Uh, I like that they didn't throw all kinds of fucking references into this one that they did in the first one. The only references in this one are basically Star Wars. And it's from that one chick from the uh, Zombie Squad who is a Star Wars fanatic, and she's just referencing Star Wars. She even has fucking uh, a pair of replica binoculars that <laughs> that are the, right. the ones, yeah. Uh, and they're all like, "What the fuck is that? It's replica from fucking Star Wars." It's like, yeah, that's that's pretty amusing. But um, yeah, I, I enjoyed the tone of this one. I like the I like the Zombie Squad. I thought they were. Kind of funny. They're, they're sort of a, almost a comment on sort of film geekdom, you know, like people who know maybe a little bit too much about fucking horror movies and then they get thrown into one. Uh, the effects, everything like that was still top notch, uh, just translates perfectly from the first film. I like that this film even took sort of a darker route as far as its comedy went, where they had the balls to, like, kill kids on screen. Like, <laughs> the one point there where the dude's arm throws that kid through the window. Uh, later on, some kids get run over by a tank. Um, yeah, and- no, that that's definitely a, a point I did not think the film was going to take. Sorry to, sorry to jump in, mm-hmm. but I was... That kid shows up, and I'm like, oh, my God, are we going to have to watch this fucking kid for, you know, another 90 minutes? And then, no, he's dead three minutes later. Yeah, the movie's like, had you fooled for a second, didn't we? No, we fucking killed him. The lead fucking uh, Russian zombie was played by the dude, Derek Mears, who played Jason in the Friday the 13th remake. Uh, Big, imposing dude. 
He's been in a few movies now. It, it almost feels like they kind of dropped that, that plot point, though. The Red versus Dead, it almost felt like a... I'll say that's a negative on this film. It's, it almost feels like an afterthought. Uh, eventually, just the Nazis basically kill all the fucking uh, guys from the Soviet side, and the plot goes forward. Um, kind of, you kind of threw your gimmick out the window and forgot about it at the end. Right, but then um, it's just Martin and... Yeah, I can imagine that like there. I mean, five years passed between the release of these two films, and I can imagine you know like you're, you're the guy that was known for making Dead Snow, and people want you. Oh, you got to make a sequel. You got to make a sequel. And then suddenly he goes, okay, well, you know, you you get drunk. You're sitting around. You're spitballing with your buddies who are also filmmakers and actors. You know, sitting around. And it's like, okay, here, here, here's what we do. Here's what we do next, guys. Imagine it. Dead Snow Two, Red versus Dead. <laughs> and so the Nazis and we're going to fight the Soviets and it's just going to be cool and they didn't really think about it much further than that um, although honestly there is a really interesting thing in that like Norway was occupied by both <laughs> the Nazis and the Soviets at different times and so mm. I can imagine there's a bunch of resentment going on and there's that one little bit where um, after the girls have thrown the uh, bombs the, the fertilizer bombs and have uh, killed some people, and like, USA, USA, and then you cut to, you know, <laughs> the guy who's like, fuck you, like, seriously, this is, this is, he yeah. just kind of rolled his eyes, like, this is a, a fucking Americans, you know? Yeah, um, he, and, he was he was the guy who did all the work, too, because he had to fucking put his neck on the line. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm with you, I'm with you completely, it's, yeah. uh, you know. Uh, I, I found it kind of amusing how, apparently, in, in this universe, uh, war museums still have... Uh, weapons that you can use on display. Non-deactivated weapons, real weapons. Yeah, tanks that can still fire shells and and kill uh, 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 mothers with their babies and carriages. <laughs> it's it's Norway. They don't fuck around. Yeah, like, please, please don't hurt me. I have two kittens. What does that mean to you? Ex yeah. Expand on that. What is that in the movie? Please don't hurt me. I have two kittens. That's a quote from the movie. I and don't... I'm like. I can only imagine what that means. I don't recall seeing that one. Okay. I, don't, I don't remember that one either. And uh, uh, I remember Apparently, Paul, you one... need to actually watch the films that we talked about. I'm going to watch the film. <laughs> I just talk, yeah. Calm down. I don't know. I don't know. You're, pu you're putting a pretty bleak turn on it, Daniel. I'm not sure if I want to watch this. Well I, well, I like there was a couple of characters in the, the... Like, even though this was a comedy, there was even a couple characters that oh, were almost like comic relief upon comedy, where you had the uh, chief of police, which was just a total fucking buffoon, um, and a glory hog as well. It's like, we'll catch this guy, and we'll we'll save the day, and shit like that. And he goes to kick the door down and basically puts his fucking knee at a joint. Um, I love the fact that that character has absolutely no relevance to the plot whatsoever. He is mm -hmm. literally just there to be a buffoon. And one like, of the lines... That is, that is, he has no... Like, you could take that entire subplot out of the movie, save ten minutes of your life. You, the, It affects in no way the actual story of the film. But it's funny, though, because... The, the it dude, is funny. No, 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 I agree. The, but, <laughs> the dude's talking about, oh, I wish we did have a seagull translator. That would be really useful if we had that invention. And then later on, he, he says the line, lick my little man pussy, or whatever. <laughs> I did like that line. That's a good line. I'm with you. I, I'm going to use that line, lick my little man pussy. Yeah. And, I, I, and, of course, I love the uh, comic relief zombie as well, that poor... That poor guy in the wheelchair becomes a zombie, and then he just gets abused and abused and abused. 
Yeah, I, I just felt sorry for that guy. It's, it's yeah. just like at some point you're just like, I, I'm sorry, you know. Like it was like I actually I actually kind of cheered for him a little in my heart when he like killed that reverend zombie and he was like, yeah. <laughs> and then gets run over by the tank. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, glory doesn't last long, does it? Uh, it actually reminds me a lot of the the attack of the herbals, where the one person in the scooter becomes a zombie and just scoots around the town all the time. You just see it in the in the background <laughs> and stuff scootering around. Oh shit! I'm gonna have to see this movie. Uh, did Paul? Did you see the uh, any of the scenes near the end where um, the hero resurrects his girlfriend from the first movie? No, I did not see that. So no? thank you for ruining it for me. It's all right. Uh, what did you What did you think of the, those scenes, Daniel? I was a little spoiled by it, um, just because I had like my goal was to just not look up anything about these films until I was watching them, and then kind of as I was watching them, I I kept like. Where's this coming from? And I would like hit pause, and then I'd go and I'd read the Wikipedia pages, and I found like, oh, there are actors that come back. And I thought like when a Glenn comes in, I'm like, oh, maybe they like recast everybody from the first film, just as different characters. Like that would be pretty cool. Mm. And I saw that the one returning cast member. Oh wait, it's Hannah. It's it's the girlfriend. And then immediately I thought, oh, he's gonna resurrect her at the end. Like that's that's sort yeah. of the. Um, like I, I, I was spoiled on that a little bit. I It feels like, you know, honestly, I'd love to see a Dead Snow 3 where they move on from this and there's like, like it's like a romantic comedy. No, yeah. we, could do, <laughs> we could do a, a spoof, Red versus Bread. Like Red versus Bread, <laughs> sure. you know, like Night of Living Bread spoof. Let's do that. Get somebody on that right now. I like it. I'm down. Uh, sure. I, I, think, I think there probably will be a part three because after the credits, there is a scene that sort of... Right. I mean, you know, of course this movie ends with the, uh, you know, and then the, you know, the dude's carrying the head. Um, you know, I, I did like the fact that he, you know, the, you know, if you read screenwriting books, which I was trying to be a screenwriter for a while in my, you know, misspent twenties, you know, and you and you think about these things in a in a uh, structured way, you know, what they always tell you is the the lead character needs a, a through line. It needs like some you know thing that he or she is trying to do that um, you know from point A to point B, like in point you know like that's how you in the movie essentially. And mm-hmm. the idea, which I thought was a really great moment in the first film where he accidentally kills his girlfriend, was I thought that was really effective. I thought that was a really effective moment. And then uh, to bring that back in the second film and to play it both for laughs and as a as a kind of a heartfelt moment, I thought was 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 kind of interesting. I, I actually didn't mind it. I would I would uh, like to see that actually, if there is going to be a third movie, I would like to see that like dealt with in a more uh, interesting way than just as a as the you know kind of the end of the film. But um, mm-hmm. I, I liked that moment. I I uh, I did. I thought it was fairly well earned. Let's just put it that way. You know, in a film called Dead Snow 2, Red vs. Dead, it's an emotional center. We'll just call it that. <laughs> yeah. um, what did you think? My uh, my favorite gag in the film, actually, and this is, I'm just going to throw this in here since I think we're wrapping up, is the uh, the zombie Nazi doctor. Yes, uh, doing... He's doing field dressings on the on the zombies. For for me, I was I was only watching that. I was falling laughing at that. Yeah, that and was... um, you know, it, it really is like that is probably the silliest thing in the film. I thought it was really effective the way it was played, and what I really wanted to see the one thing that would have like taken it above the level for me is if they had put a, a body on his table. And he like does this moment where he looks at it. He kind of look, and this is an audio podcast, so nobody's. But he kind of looks back and forth, 
and then just shakes his head and like mops his brow in the way that like every doctor in a triage unit in a movie ever does. This one's too far gone, and they take it away and then bring him another. I think that should have been a moment, you know. Um, that would have been cool. Yeah, yeah, I love I love that moment. That that was that was one of those moments that caught me by surprise. It's like, oh shit, he's he's field dressing and he's pulling his intestines out and then stuffing him the the empty space with hay. Right. Yeah. No, I mean hay is good. It's a it's a great moment. I um I like it. And that's the thing I want to bring up. Like, if there's one motif other than Nazi zombies in the in these movies, it's the use of intestines for for different things. Both through both movies, there's at least four or five instances where you see intestines either used as a weapon or as a hose to put gas in the tank or as a fucking bungee cord. I, I really, really... Uh, it's like, wow. You're overshadowing duct tape at this point, guys. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's novelistic in scope, really, is what you're mm. saying. I, I'm yeah. You. So if we have any uh, final thoughts, I, I know Paul hasn't seen the whole fucking thing yet, so... I but apologize for that. Yeah, you Life should apologize. Or, or death out of the way, or whatever you want to say. All right. Uh, the only thing I could say is uh, it... it each each movie dramatically needs breasts. <laughs> I understand they'd be pretty cold, but you know, yeah, you, know, you have to make those kind of sacrifices in films. Uh, Daniel, any final thoughts on these films? I I think I've said what I want. Um, I really enjoyed these. Uh, my wife hasn't seen them yet, so I'm actually going to show them to her pretty soon, and we'll watch them together. And it's gonna I, it'll be a lot of fun. My wife loves Dead Snow. Does she? Okay. Yeah. So your wife will love it too. Yeah, that's how that works. <laughs> 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 yeah, um, uh, I, I'm going yeah. to search out Dead Snow too. So from what I've seen, I think I'll enjoy it. But I, uh, not to be cynical, but I think Dead Snow One will probably sit on my shelf still, without me watching it for a while. I don't really feel the need to watch it again, but I think watching Dead Snow Two might change my mind and make me want to watch the first one again. As as the uh, people of the Slash Filmcast used to say all the time, because I I listened to that podcast religiously for a while and then got mm-hmm. sick of it. Because they would literally sit and have like an hour-long conversation about the mythology of Dead Snow 2. Really, it spans <laughs> on the mythology of Dead Snow 1. They didn't do Dead Snow, but they did a bunch of films of, of similar ilk. And they would literally have you know hour-long conversations about Paranormal Activity 3. Really deep into oh. the mythology of Paranormal Activity 2. Oh. And I'm like, really? We're gonna have the, like I'm, you know, I'm done. I am so done with you guys at this point. <laughs> I'm glad someone's having that conversation. I'm not interested in having that conversation. But yeah, um, I say that because I really do think that the uh, the Death Snow two really does deepen the mythology of Death Snow one. So you know, I look forward to your thesis and eventual. I'm, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, eventually get a PhD in uh, media studies, and I'm going to uh, write my thesis on uh, Dead Snow Two. Ten ten years from now, you'll be at Harvard teaching a course on uh, Dead Snow Two. Well, yeah. PCU taught me that you can even major in Game Boy, so we're good. <laughs> All right. Uh, I guess we I guess we can wrap up here uh, unless there's anything else anyone wants to talk about. Um, anyone? No. I'm good. Oh, okay. <laughs> Great. Um, of course, we'll have the little uh, trailer at the end there where you can find all of our links. But before you go and find the links, please, gentlemen, tell us uh, what those links go to. So, Daniel, uh, tell us about your podcast. Uh, I have a podcast that I do with my wife. Um, it's all about Doctor Who. We're doing Classic Who right now, looking at uh, companions, so check that out. If you're a fan of Doctor Who and Classic Who or just want to listen to me talk 
and my wife talk in some detail about the um, ways that uh, 70s British television um, failed failed on special effects but succeeded in uh, the roles of women. That's something that we've been talking a lot about. And uh, Lee was on our most recent episode where we talked about the Sea Devils from 1972. So, and, and I'll say it was the best episode ever of the podcast. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Lee has actually listened to every episode of the podcast, I believe. And uh, we're up to... Uh, I don't know. The, the next episode that's going up is The Three Doctors, and that is the silliest episode we've ever done. So check that out. You know. Right on. Because we had nothing to say. We literally just bullshitted for like an hour. It was awesome. Nothing wrong with that. It's kind of like this podcast. I um, just did that for the last hour. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Paul, tell us about your beer review channel and your uh, metal channel. Well, I got a channel on uh, fa- on uh, Facebook, PA Brew News on Facebook, or you can check me out where I post all the videos on YouTube at PA Brew News, one word. Beers from all over the world and America, craft and homebrew stuff like that, homebrew stuff. And then on uh, YouTube, uh, Funeral Dust Six Six Six. That's one old word, and just underground black metal goodness from Pennsylvania, basically. Cool. That's all that I have. Right on, and uh, we're gonna take a vote here. Because uh, I picked two pieces of music, and we'll just do a real quick vote and see which one we're going to go out on here. Um, we're going to either go out on uh, Dover Gubins Hall, or Hall of the Mountain King, as it's better known, uh, by Edward Gregg, which was featured in the opening of Dead Snow 1. Or are we going to go out on Total Eclipse of the Heart by Bonnie Tyler from Dead Snow 2? Total Eclipse I, of the Heart, no question. I have to vote for one. I'm sorry. I can't. Even though it's a, I know that's a very you know catchy little video on YouTube, I have to... Hall of the Mountain King, man. Let's put okay, some okay, okay. this bitch. Hall of the Mountain King is fine, but if you're going to do that, then you have to put this in the podcast. People should go and look at the uh, literal video on YouTube <laughs> of Total Eclipse of the Heart because well, might as well just finish on Total Eclipse of the Heart then because why not? No, no, well, just go, go go watch the YouTube cha- go watch the YouTube video, but like we'll do the Mountain King thing, you know. Well, what, what 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 I'll tell you now is I, I I was actually just it was sort of a trick question because uh, we'll go out on Total Eclipse of the Heart, but I was going to include Hall of the Mountain King in this podcast anyway. I'm getting a little bit more savvy. I'm a little less than half retarded when it comes to using Audacity now. Um, so I will stick Hall of the Mountain King in there somewhere in an appropriate spot. So okay. you'll, you'll get both pieces of music. I'll definitely get flagged on YouTube, and it'll be all good fun for everybody. Well, that's good. <laughs> as long as we get flagged, and we'll be good. You know, the Koningberg. All right. Uh, thank you very much, gentlemen. Uh, it was a lot of fun doing this. Uh, Thanks for having me. I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to get the other one in, but I did my best. That's all right. Uh, you'll make it up uh, more than more than enough because next week is going to be the chat that Paul and I did about werewolf movies uh, from a, a few few weeks ago, um, and it turned out very, very well, uh, so that's something to look forward to, and after that, Daniel and I are probably, and if Paul wants to join in as well, we're going to be delving into some sex comedies here for the next few weeks after that. I'd, I'd love to be do a sex comedy month at some point in the near future, because that's a genre I know very well. Like, <laughs> as soon as I have sex, I'll get, uh, the, I'll get the more. back of my, my very hairy hand. That's All right, <laughs> so... Bad so joke, we'll, so we'll, all, we'll all be doing some uh, extensive homework in that genre. And uh, until next time, uh, thank you very much for watching, guys. Send your comments and questions in. We want to hear them. We want to know we have a fucking audience, even if they hate us. And uh, bye-bye, guys. Zig hell.
Thank you for listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. For our other episodes, links to Daniel, Paul, and Lee's other stuff, and links to some great podcasts of similar interest, visit us at tmbdos.podbean.com. There you can leave us comments on the site or directly email us. We listen and respond to everything. Thank you. Drive through.